are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bible, Psalm 22, and we're going to talk tonight about the subject of our series, which is the cross of Christ. And tonight we're going to look at the pain of the cross. Uh, I'm going to use a word for pain, and that'll be the word agony. And so I'll preach tonight for a few moments on the agony of Calvary. And uh, I want us to listen. Now, if you want to say amen, that's fine, but I really just like to listen and uh, meditate upon what Jesus has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And uh, I might try to just go slow. Would that be fun for you if I just went super slow? And you wouldn't like that, would you? Would you like that? I'll do it tonight. How about that? Let me give you what's on my heart, though, and I want God to help us tonight. Look with me at Psalm 22, verse number 1. Stand with me if you're able to stand. I know it's cold and everything, but uh, you might get a crown in heaven for standing. You never know. So why don't you stand with me? Verse number 1. Because the Bible says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. Jump down to verse number 11, if you would. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. For a little while this evening, I want you to think with me on this thought, the agony of Calvary. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for your help to preach tonight. I pray you'd help us to see the truth. I pray you'd help it to move us. Lord, I know studying this has made me feel so pitiful for being so worldly and sometimes so apathetic and carnal, considering the price you paid to redeem my soul. I pray tonight you'd help us to fall in love with you afresh. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. In 1921, a lady wrote a hymn entitled, Lead Me to Calvary. The chorus of that hymn says, Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thine love for me. It says, Lead me to Calvary. Psalm 22 is probably the most openly messianic psalm in the Word of God. In fact, another title given to Psalm 22 is the Psalm of the Cross. Now, David is the human author, but though David might have been pinning from personal experience, the Holy Spirit used him to give us a set of prophetic verses. More than giving us information about David, this psalm gives us insight into the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 21, we find the king given a crown. But in Psalm 22, we watch as the king is nailed to a cross. In this psalm, we find direct quotes from Jesus as he'd hang upon the cross. In fact, this psalm is an Old Testament forecast of the coming fulfillment of our New Testament redemption. 
These 31 verses set our attention upon Jesus' suffering and the agony He experienced on Calvary. It's been rightly said that the cross is the center and circumference of the gospel. The cross is more than just two crossed boards. It's more than just an emblem for jewelry. The cross is the frame upon which the gospel hangs. Throughout history, there have been countless people nailed to crosses. I have no idea how many men and women through the years have been crucified. I know that during the reign of the Romans, they say they would crucify people at a rate of 500 every single day. But can I say there's only been one cross ever driven into Calvary's hill that when it was planted, it served as heaven's flag signaling to the world that God had gotten back the ground lost when Adam fell. Lester Olaf said it right when he said the cross is our emancipation proclamation. The cross is the olive branch of grace extended to appease the wrath and justice of a holy God. Mount Calvary answered Mount Sinai and met the law with mercy. The cross of Jesus is the initiating act that gives you and I the gospel. More than just two boards, more than just another cross, Christ's cross was the shell that ablazed the opening hole in the devil's black canopy that hung over the horizon of man. The cross is the beginning, if you will, of that breeze that blew the condemnation off of us. Yes, the gospel is the, uh, the, the resurrection of Christ. Yes, the gospel is the burial of Christ. But the opening act of the gospel is the death of Christ upon the cross according to the scriptures. Without the cross, the gospel is gutted and it loses all of its saving power. You have to understand tonight that crucifixion is a very humiliating way to die. It's a horrible way to die. It's a haunting way to die. To be crucified is to be stripped naked and placed shamed openly in the public for every eye to see as they would pass by. When we think about the cross of Christ, we have to understand it towers high above every idol made by human hands. The cross of Christ reaches further in than the stain of sin is gone. And it'll do more for your life than any ordinance provided by dead religion. You don't have to work at convincing a person who's nailed at the cross that the cross is a very impactful and important place. The hymn writer pinned the hymn and said, Oh, the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. You just ask anyone who's ever been to Calvary, and they'll say it was that old rugged cross that made the difference in their life. I think about the psalm that says, At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Or the old hymn that says burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Without question, the cross is the center and circumference of the gospel. And for us, the cross is the greatest burden lifter ever provided for man. But can I say that while the cross is the great burden lifter for you and I, it was the greatest burden that Jesus ever had to bear. And tonight as we consider the cross and how it's the center and circumference of the gospel, you have to understand that as the cross is the center of the gospel, so pain is at the very center of the cross. Modern day Christianity would ask us to preach a gospel without a cross or a cross without pain. But can I say neither one of those things are possible. You don't have the gospel without a cross and you don't have the cross without pain. And tonight, lest we forget Gethsemane and lest we forget his agony and lest we forget his love for us, I'm wanting the Holy Ghost of God to lead us for a while to Calvary and consider the agony of his cross. That word pain gets our attention. 
All of us tonight, to some degree or another, understand pain. Everyone here tonight has experienced pain. And I think we would all testify and say that we're not very fond of it. There are over 7 trillion nerves that run through your body. And every nerve signals specific regions of the body. Each of those seven trillion nerves can sense pain when the body's impacted from without or within. Those nerves course a signal up your spinal cord, into your brain, and then throughout your body, and they introduce you to pain. Pain means discomfort. Pain means misery. Pain means suffering. Pain means injury. Tonight, a word that would describe a more intense sensation of pain is that word agony. Agony goes beyond discomfort and it means to anguish. Agony goes beyond misery to absolute torment. And when we meditate upon the cross of Christ, we're entering into an arena, not just of pain, but an arena of agony, unlike any arena that you or I have ever, and thank God will ever have to enter into. Now tonight we understand pain. And to some degree, we might understand agony. But can I say in the context of the cross, our understanding of those words don't even come close to considering the magnitude of what Jesus suffered for you and I. The words as we understand them are insufficient to tell the height, the depth, the breadth, and the duration of the agony that Jesus endured upon Calvary. When we consider the pain of the cross, it came at Jesus from three different angles. Jesus suffered physical pain and that's what we'll deal with tonight but Jesus also suffered spiritual and emotional pain on the cross as well can you imagine he who knew no sin being introduced to every sin I or you would ever commit and then becoming sin for us can you imagine he who always had fellowship with the father having his father turn his back upon him yes Jesus knows pain there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus he knows all about our struggles he knows every bit of physical pain he knows every inch of spiritual pain and he's endured every part of emotional pain and tonight that encourages me because I'm glad I've got a high priest who's touched with the feelings of my infirmities and whatever I face and whatever I go through and wherever I find myself in life Jesus has been there Jesus has gotten through it Jesus waited to the other side and he can lead me safely over as well tonight I want to consider the physical pain or the agony of Calvary for six suffering hours, the Savior hangs between heaven and earth upon His cross. The great giver of life is now giving up His life for you and I. Can I say that six minutes of that kind of agony would be more than most could handle? Yet for six hours, Jesus is held fast and fixed to wood by long nails. Even before the crucifixion, she sang about it a minute ago, Christ was acquainted with grief and sorrow. In Luke 22, verse 44, the Bible says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Gideon prayed with outstretched sheaves. Jonah prayed from the belly of a whale. Paul would pray from a prison cell. But our Savior prayed from within a pool of his own blood. Can you imagine as Jesus is led from the garden by a Judas who betrayed him for silver? He's grabbed by rough Roman soldiers and led down into the city. Jesus is made to suffer through several rig court appearances and then taken to the Roman pavement. There his body is absolutely mutilated by Roman soldiers. 
I don't think that I have the words and I don't even think we'd have the stomach to describe what Jesus went through in that uh, procedure on the Roman pavement. He's not even nailed to his cross and he's already experiencing the agony of Calvary. Tonight, I want you to imagine, if you will, having your back torn to shreds by a Roman scourge. I was looking at this before I came out and the Roman scourge would be similar to a British cat of nine tails. That Roman scourge would be a leather throng with strands coming off of it. It would have laced within it wire and bone and metal and pieces of pottery and possibly glass. And a Roman soldier built for the purpose without mercy and without grace would take that whip and lash it across the back of our Savior. This is not a Jewish situation. This is a Gentile situation. So there are no standards of only whipping a man 40 times. They beat Jesus until he was unrecognizable as a human being. Can you see it in your mind? As they take that scourge and swing it and it fall upon the back of our Savior as that bone would grip into his flesh. They tug it off and chunks of flesh would fly from his side. After some of the time, those purple lashes on his back would open and deep red furrows would be driven into his flesh. You could possibly see ribs uh, through the holes in his back. Maybe internal organs were becoming visible from his wounds. No doubt his body quivered as the flesh fell from his forearm. Now his ribs are exposed. Waves of pain going throughout his body. Blue wells rising up upon his back. Oh, can you see it there? As the blood that's being shed for our redemption begins to fall there on that Roman pavement. Can I say that is suffering? Can I say that is agony? Can I say that is pain? And it's all for you and I. Try to feel the blows if you can. Those blows that would fall upon his blinded face. The blood from his brow running into his eyes. See the robe as it's thrown over his head and he's beaten with fists and rods. His nose is smashed. His eyes are blackened. His brain is concussed. This is just the beginning of the physical agony of Calvary and what Jesus suffered for us. In your mind, see as those white rivers of spit from the mouth of the soldiers course down his cheeks. The hair is pulled from his body by merciless hands. He's smacked and smoked. He's whipped and he's ravaged. Isaiah 50 and verse 6 gives us the, the verse, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. You could hear the echoes in the background as the whip fell on his back of the Sanhedrin as they were not satisfied and cried out, crucify him, crucify him. Can you see the men that gathered around our Lord? There's the one who was dying for their sin, the one who had given them life in those brute beasts of men, those Roman soldiers, those reprobate rebels from God surrounding the Savior and they mock him and they revile him and they spit upon him and they beat him. There's no mercy there. There's no love there. There's no compassion there. All the pain from pouring out the wrath of God is falling upon the Lord Jesus Christ and it's happening for you and it's happening for me. The prophet Isaiah gave us a description of his agony and he said his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. The wording of that statement 
Testament gives us such a vivid picture of what happened to Jesus to look upon him at this point is to see a mangled mass of humanity. He wouldn't even look like a person. His face is unrecognizable. Those lips that spoke peace are now swollen and bursting open with blood. His eyes that saw the soul of man was swollen shut and maybe bulging out from his skull. His side and his back that were set to bear the burden of our sin is shredded like hamburger meat. To see Jesus now is to see a pile of pain and a pile of agony. In Psalm 22 and verse 15, he says, my strength is dried up like a pot shirt. And the last part of the verse is, thou hast brought me into the dust of death. See Jesus there as they wrap that scarlet robe around his back. As they take that crown of thorns and they drive it down into his brow. They make him hold one of the bloody reeds they'd beaten him with. And then they start to mock him and they say, hail king of the Jews, the one who'd given them life, the one who upholds the universe with his power. There they are mocking that man. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the agony? Can you imagine the suffering? Can I say tonight, the cross is more than a necklace. The cross is more than a cool tattoo. The cross is more than an emblem to adorn a grave site. The cross is more than a statue and it's more than an idol. It's more than boards nailed together. The cross is a reminder to the world that the Son of God is a man of sorrows and he's acquainted with grief. When you think about the cross, you've got to remember the agony of Calvary. From his Roman cell, Jesus has led out that long, lonely pathway to Calvary. In John 19 and verse 5, the Bible says, Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns in a purple robe. In verse number 17 of John 19, it says, And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha. Golgotha is more of a hill than it is a mountain. It's a craggy outcropping outside the city of Jerusalem. It's a place of death, an infamous place. Much blood has been shed on Golgotha. The blood of thieves, the blood of murderers, the blood of those that are guilty. But now that little hill outside of Jerusalem is about to be baptized in the very blood of God himself. The Bible leaves out the details of what bearing a cross would mean. Think about it. Jesus has been beaten. Jesus' body has been torn. Jesus has been spat upon and mocked. And now a cross is thrown upon his shoulders. The cross beam of the average cross, they say, weighed about 100 pounds. 100 pounds of rough lumbers thrown upon the shoulders of our Savior. Calvary is a place of pain. In your mind, watch it as that crushing weight falls upon the bruised and battered shoulders of our Savior. A large log dropped upon him. Those shoulders have already been beaten, and now they have to bear 100 pounds of splintered board. The old poem is lived out when it says, Jehovah lifted up his rod, and, O Christ, it fell on thee. I was looking at the map of the city and I believe probably it could have been a possible two-mile walk that Jesus had to trek with that crossbeam on his shoulders. After having been beaten, maybe an hour and a half it would have taken him to wind those roads up to that hill called Calvary for our sin. Up Calvary's hill he'd struggle, but he pressed on for the joy that was set before him. He despised the shame. He'd endure the cross. As Jesus took each agonizing step up the slopes of that hill, he drew closer to crucifixion. Every inch brought more agony to his body. Every movement brought more pain to his being. Every second introduced him to another level of torment. Every time he took a step, he was scorned. 
Every time he took a step, he was slandered. Every time he took a step, the sting of rejection must have hurt his heart. Like ravaging bulls, the Jews surrounded him. Like wild dogs, the Gentiles gnashed on him. He made the statement in our text, we read it like strong bulls of Bashan. He'd called the scribes and Pharisees scorpions and vipers. But now he says, like bulls, they ravage him. He's reviled, but he doesn't revile again. He's suffering, but he's not threatening. He's enduring pain, but he's not opening his mouth. As I was studying for this and reading about what Jesus went through, I felt so sorry for my Christianity. Felt so sorry for my lack of zeal some days. Felt so pitiful for the sin that we live with so often because of the pain he suffered. Isaiah tells us Jesus' reception, he said he's despised and rejected by men. In Psalm 22, verse 6, you see it there in your Bible, it said, I'm a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of the people. Can you consider who it is that's being rejected? This is the one who loves them like none of them can love. The one who put every beat in their heart. Every breath they took was on loan from this man, and yet they reject him. I believe that when Jesus reached the summit of Calvary, he didn't struggle as he neared the center beam of his cross. I don't believe he fought the Roman soldiers and tried to get away. I don't believe he tried to escape the torment and the agony that awaited him when he'd be fixed to those timbers. But I believe if we could see it right that Jesus willingly took himself, laid himself down upon that wood, stretched out his hands, and laid down his feet to be nailed to the tree. In fact, the Bible tells us in John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before his shears is dumb, so openeth he not his mouth. Those hands that hold the universe are about to be pierced through with rusted Roman nails. Those feet that will one day rest upon this world as though it were a footstool, about to be pierced with the same. I see it in my mind. I was preaching in Roanoke, Virginia many years ago, and a man gave me a railroad spike from the mountains there, and I keep it on my desk. He said, I thought maybe you'd like it. It's not the right length. It's too short. But it kind of gives us a visual of a nail that would be driven through the palms and the feet of our Savior. I was studying for this message, and I don't know much about anatomy, but I do know there's a thing called the medial nerve that runs through your arms. And that nerve that runs through your feet, plantar nerve. They say where they would have driven those nails, no doubt would have pierced those major nerves in the body. That means every little breath would cause so much pain. That means every breeze that would blow upon him would just bring pain. That means any kind of squirming he'd do on the cross would bring pain. A large Roman soldier would grab a blunt object and take that nail, that long piercing iron. He'd raise his crude hammer to the heavens and bring it crashing down. And each time that nail would fall, it'd drive that iron through the palms of Jesus and through his feet. Those hands that had fed the multitudes. Those hands that had opened blinded eyes. Those feet that had walked on the surface of the sea, pierced through by Roman nails. You say, why would Jesus suffer through that for you? Why did he suffer through that? He suffered through it for me. Psalm 22 and verse 16, he testified and said, they pierced my hands and my feet. No doubt at this point, the physical pain, which is our topic tonight, is overthrowing, overthrowing, overflowing its threshold. Mortal man, as much as he could stand, can you imagine Jesus suffering there on the cross? 
The nails find their lodging place and the soldiers would take that cross and not carefully, but very rudely, they'd take that cross and set it erect and jar it down into its hole. As that cross would fall down into its hole, every bone in the body of our Savior was knocked out of joint. As the cross jolted into its position, Jesus' body would just become lump on the cross. Look at verse number 14 of Psalm 22. It says, I'm poured out like water. And all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted in my bowels. In verse 17, he says, I tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. I don't even know if agony can adequately portray that feeling that Jesus must have experienced. Every bone in his body jarred out of joint. Think of the agony of Calvary. Now his skin is just stretched over dislocated bones. All those that would pass by could easily see the damage inflicted internally to the Son of God. Every joint dislocated, every bone out of position, his wrist jerked out of socket, his elbows thrown out of joint, his knees and shoulders removed from their normal location, his flesh just hanging there, his muscles tearing, every nerve in his body burning with pain, his body without form, slumped over and spilled out like water. Blood poured from every wound in his body. Every wound made by the thorn. Every wound made by the scourge. Every wound made by the nail. The blood began to run from his body because without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. On the cross, he suffered and suffering ran a ceaseless cycle throughout the person of Jesus. He didn't have a single second of relief. There wasn't a single moment of reprieve, but pain radiated through our Savior's body. Every time his heart would beat, he'd pulse pain through his body. Agony was amplified with every breath he tried to breathe. See Jesus as he attempts to twist and turn and lift himself on nail-pierced feet together a gasp of air. As he lifts himself up, the weight of his body crushes in on his own ribs and makes it hard to breathe. At noonday, the sun quits shining in the sky from that sixth hour on to the ninth. There is no sun on earth. The earth convulses and the rocks around Jerusalem break in pieces. The graves open up and dead men walk the earth. The pain of the cross echoes all the way into creation as it groans and waits for its redemption. The heavenly father looks upon the sun and from a worn voice Jesus cries, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the heavenly father for the first time in the last time turns his back upon his son so that he might look on you and I see Jesus there he says in verse number 19 of our text be not far from me for trouble is near me for six horrible hours Jesus suffers this goes on for six hours every breath causes trauma his body weight pressing down upon him every breath hurts he suffers and his tormentors gamble at the foot of the cross they part his garments and cast lots upon his vesture. The Old Testament lamb was killed humanely and quickly so to avoid pain but the New Testament lamb died slowly and endured every bit of pain for my sin and yours. Christ's body is ripped and torn from top to bottom from the crown of thorns to the nail in his feet just like the temple veil ripped from top to bottom. Jesus is that personification
application of that truth. He's making a way for fallen man to be reconciled to God. He's been beaten half to death and now he's on the cross. He's just a second from journeying through the shadow of the valley of death. In Psalm 22:15. he says his tongue is cleaving to his jaws. He's thirsty. Dehydration takes over. There's no relief that'll come. He's refused any kind of reprieve from his agony. In Psalm 42 and verse 7, there's a verse that says, Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. From the day or the time of the morning sacrifice to the hour of the evening sacrifice, the precious Lamb of God hangs upon an old rugged tree and bleeds and dies, suffers for my sin and for yours with every fleeting breath and with a very broken heart he cries out after some time it is finished a Bible commentator said to die by crucifixion was to die a thousand deaths I think about the song it says your side was pierced and your heart was torn a crown of thorns your head adorned and with those nails there in your hand you carried every sin of man oh sacred lamb in the Old Testament the high priest would go and stick his finger in the veil and pull it back just enough to let himself in. But thank God Jesus opened the veil, not just to let himself in, but he opened the veil wide enough to let whosoever will cometh unto the Father. After six hours of agony, it ended. Six hours, that's 360 minutes. Six hours, that's over 21,000 seconds. And every hour, and every minute, and every second was marked by agony. John 19.30 says, when Jesus therefore received the vinegar, he said it is finished and he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. I want to know tonight salvation might be free, but it wasn't cheap. Salvation might be easy for us, but it was not without great pain for our Savior. When we consider the cross, we have to consider the pain of the cross. And as much as the cross is the center and circumference of the gospel, so pain is the center and circumference of our cross. Jesus had a high pain tolerance because he had such a low sin tolerance. And Jesus died and suffered the way he did for our sin. Our pardon was purchased by his pain. Our grace was provided by his pain. Our reconciliation was propagated by his pain. Our salvation was presented by his pain. One of my favorite preachers to read after is a man named T. DeWitt Talmadge. If you're in Bible college, you never heard the name, write it down and go look him up. T. DeWitt Talmadge was an orator. He traveled once to Europe and heard Charles Spurgeon preach and trying to be polite. He said, Spurgeon, I read your sermons. And Charles Spurgeon responded and said, Talmadge, everybody reads your sermons. He was the pastor of a church in Brooklyn, New York. T. DeWitt Talmadge went to go view a painting called The Flagellation of Jesus Christ, The Beating of Jesus Christ, a painting from the 1600s. He traveled into the city. The painting was making the tour. And they had the painting hid behind a curtain. He said the man drew back the curtain and he saw the painting there. He said the Roman soldier bracing upon Jesus' calf with the scourge back like this about to fall. He said purple marks across his back, not even given the pleasure of busting open to provide relief. He said he stood there and stared at that. And finally he cried out, Pull the curtain! Pull the curtain! 
He said, I feel if I had seen that for five more minutes, I would have died. Think about the hymn that says, When I saw the cleansing fountain open wide for all my sin, I obeyed the Spirit's wooing when He said, Will thou be clean? I love the cross of Jesus. It tells me what I am, a vile and guilty creature saved only by the blood of the Lamb. Let me give you three statements. We'll close. Number one, the cross was a painful place. More than just an emblem for your necklace. More than just a tattoo somebody's trying to be hip and religious gets. More than just something that they put on the side of the road or marking a grave. The Son of God, God in flesh, suffered, bled, and died on a cross like that for our sin. Number two, the cross was a paying place. Why did He die? To pay for our sin. Number three, you thank God for this, the cross was a passing place. If you read Psalm 22, the first 21 verses deal with the crucifixion. But the next several, four or five verses, deal with the church. And then the last three or four verses deal with the kingdom. I'm glad Jesus didn't stop at the cross. I'm glad that we have the church. And I'm glad one of these days he'll come back, take us to be with him, then come back and establish his kingdom. Tonight, I believe it'd do us well to meditate upon what Jesus did for us at Calvary. You say, I want revival. How do I have revival? Lest I forget Gethsemane. Lest I forget thine agony. Lest I forget thy love for me. Lead me to Calvary. When's the last time you just said, thank you, Jesus, for Calvary? When's the last time you just got alone maybe with God and just poured your heart out? Oh, wretched, vile sinner that I am. Yet he died for me. I'm going to pray the altar will be open. Maybe a lot of folks ought to just come tonight and say, thank you, Jesus. He suffered our hell so we don't have to. He bore our shame and our guilt on the cross. I don't want to ever get over it. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.